You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we are setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall Sabraki, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, wife, and U.S. Navy Lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. What is up, world? I have the most special guest on the show today. (laughs) Special of all special guests. (laughs) Cheers. We have Lisa Ann Hall. Mama Hall. Mama Hall. Woo! Cheers again. <laughs> we are in our onesies, sipping mimosas, <laughs> and having a good time, and having a good old time. Yes. Thank you for being on the show, Mama Hall. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me. Mm-hmm. I actually got a request a while ago. I think, honestly, I think it was like a year and a half ago. And someone was like, "You need to have your mom on the show." Well, what the heck? I guess you saved the best for last. <laughs> well, you, you've you been fighting me tooth and nail. You're always like, oh, I don't know what to say, which is hilarious because anybody who's ever spent time with you for 30 seconds knows that you're not short of words. So no. you're going to have plenty to say. I already know <laughs> on the podcast. But today we're talking about raising strong women. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a better person to talk about this than you because you raised three. Yes, I did. Of them. And a lot, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I do have two older sisters. I am not as close with them as I would like to be, but I think that that also factors into part of that raising strong women piece because we're all very strong headed (laughs) and strong built. Um, And we're all successful in our own ways, I will say. So we can't say that you didn't, you weren't short of successful in this arena. You Thank were. you. Thank you. Were. I feel very proud. I feel very proud of all three of my daughters because, you know, we all have busy lives and it's kind of like how you have the mama bird that raises the little baby up and they fly the nest. And I feel confident that I did everything that I possibly could mm-hmm. to give my girls love and teach them and prepare them for what they needed to do next in their lives. And I know they can be wherever in the world. And I know that they're going to be successful and happy. And that makes me happy. Yes. Well, I will say, you know, I believe I can speak for both or all three, Laura, Anna, and I, that we are all very happy. And we wouldn't mm-hmm. be who we were today without you and daddy raising us the way that you you did. So before we just get into the details, because I'm sure everyone's thrilled to hear how I ended up the way that I did, um, what would you say is the most misunderstood thing about raising strong women? The most misunderstood thing about raising strong women is expecting your kids to be perfect all the time and for you to put that pressure on yourself to try to be the perfect mom Mm -hmm. or the perfect parents, because there's no such thing as that. We're all going to make mistakes, but we do our best. And at the end of the day, that's what matters most because you teach your children to have faith in God and trust God, especially when things don't make sense in your life. Mm -hmm. And you know that God has a plan through it all. And I just feel so blessed that God allowed me to be blessed 
to raise three wonderful daughters. Mm-hmm. So that's Mama. what I feel. I'm wonderful. You know, I also think that we should redefine like this word perfect. Okay. Like what is perfect? I think people think it's, you know, you have no debt and you have the perfect house and you have the perfect lunches and you know (laughs) what I mean? Like you have the perfect parties and you wear the perfect outfits and you have the perfect Christmas card. I don't think any of that's true. I I would say that you are pretty perfect parents because even Uh, in your pitfalls, y'all like really really did your best to raise us for the real world and like what was ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, I think when you're a kid, you're like, oh, like, why is my mom doing this? Why is my dad doing this? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're upset and you're frustrated. But then I constantly get the question, like, how are you the way that you are? And I always relate it back to like how y'all raised me. So like, yeah, those lessons might've been tough at the time, but you, I mean, to me, you raised me perfectly in the way that I needed to be to prepare me for my life. Well, I think the key is like with us having three daughters and all of y'all had very different personalities. I think that it was important to be able to respect and embrace the stage of life you were going through because you're going to be different as a toddler. You're going to be different as a teenager. I still remember when we were living at Camp Pendleton and Laura turned a teenager and we were going through some things with Laura. And I remember saying, you know, Laura, this is new for you being a teenager, but it's also new for us being a parent of a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I know when you were little, as a little toddler, you were my most strong will of our three daughters. Yeah, I was. (laughs) But you know what? That you just had that strong personality that captured our attention, demanded our attention. Uh-huh. And I love demanding attention. <laughs> but also it was because of that you grew into the woman that you are and God made you perfectly that way. And so it was one of those things that when you were little, we had to figure out what worked with you and what worked with Laura, what worked with Anna. And we just really supported each of you to have your own interests, your own likes. And we even let y'all decorate your rooms your own way and do your own things and just strongly encouraged you to find what worked for you and what made you happy. Because we wanted you to be happy. And that's all that mattered in the end. We just wanted you to be happy. Yeah, I think you really celebrated our individuality, you know, along the way. And I love it. Like, there wasn't ever really a time when I came to you with like a crazy idea and you didn't support it. Like I remember, and I told the story before on the podcast, but I remember coming to you in the core memory in the fifth grade and we were living in Italy and I told you that I wanted to run for class secretary and you because, you know, I was like, oh, I like I want to be involved. And I was writing stories at the time. I'd write those little like paper oh, book stories. Book. Yeah. And you would read them and you'd be my little <laughs> editor, my little like notebook paper stories. And then so I told you, I was like, oh, mom, like, I want to be class secretary. And then you responded back so quickly. And you were like, well, why not class president? And that's like literally core memory for me because I remember like not having an answer for that. I was like, Oh, like I think like a there's a boy in my class doing it. <laughs> and from that point, literally for the rest of my grade school years, I always ran for class president, you know, and I always mm-hmm. kind of picked myself up and did that again. And I love that you always supported, but then also like pushed us like you weren't like, 
oh no, I want you to be JV. You were like, why don't you go for varsity? Like you always pushed for more. Well, I think the biggest thing was you don't ever know how you're going to succeed in anything and what's going to be your strong points unless you give yourself a chance to get out there and try it. And I was like, why shoot low? I mean, my gosh, shoot for the top, go for the gusto, make it big, make an impact and get out there and fight for things in your life. Because in the end, when you go out there and you do things and you try new things and you're the one that's responsible for making your own happiness in life, it's not up to everybody else around you. It's up to yourself and you have to grow that confidence within you. So it starts with trying new things and shooting for the top. Next story. When you, I remember when we first moved to Sicily, Italy in living in um, a living, you know, there for the Navy and everything. Um, the music program was really, really big. <laughs> and I was in third grade and I, the sound of music was happening. And I think I tried out for one of the Von Trapp kids. Mm-hmm, I think did. I did. And I was like, it's not like I was, you know, a young, like star studded theater phenomenon. I, I, you were like, you should try out. And I was like, okay, I tried out and I didn't make it at all. And I don't even think I was in the program at all that no, year. No, you Yeah, I wasn't in it at all. But you were in the Christmas program where you had a solo as the doll. But that, that was later. That was fourth grade. But actually, no, timeline, you're right. Because that was Christmas and all of it was in the spring of fourth grade. So anyways, my point is that I, you pushed me to try out for one of the Bond Trap kids. I didn't make it. And you were like, oh, well. Like, I think your response to, quote, like, failure was always really well received. Like, I think that you don't even realize how much children pay attention to the response of their parents. Mm -hmm. And you were just kind of like, oh, well, we'll try again next year. And you're like, you know, everything happens and, um, you know, God has a plan and I think you're really talented and you can do this. And so I was like, okay, you know, I really, I wasn't like, oh, like I need to table this idea. Like this was so stupid. You know, you really like continue to (laughs) encourage me. So then the next year, not only did I get a, like the lead in my Christmas play, but I tried out. This is huge story. <laughs> I again, the, our theater program in Italy was like Real hundreds huge. of people. There were like three hundred people that involved. Was the main thing on base, yeah, in this theater program in Italy, and so that year was the production of Oliver, mm-hmm. and there were sixty young boys. No, it was like eighty something boys because I remember counting them. <laughs> I, well, there was a lot. There was, was a lot, lot was of a little lot. boys. There was a lot of little boys that were trying out for the role of Oliver. Yes, in Oliver Twist as the lead of this whole production. Correct. And you, it was your idea. You were like, you should try out for Oliver, and I was like, huh? Like, I remember this you, is a boys, a boys part. I remember you not wanting to do it because you were like, well, I didn't even make the show last year. How am I supposed to make Oliver? And I'm like. Get out there and do it, girl. You can do this. And yeah, this was all was all Lisa. Like that was all your idea. And and I did. I remember I showed up and I remember being in the room and walking in. It was all little boys and me, and they like glared at me. And we all had to stand up and sing like two lines of the solo. And I sang it. And then I made it to like, you know, the final runs. I got the part. I literally beat yeah. out these 60 boys for the part. And it was so funny because the military has a newspaper all over Europe that um, the Stars and Stripes and Kelly made the front page of the Europe paper that said a twist to Oliver Twist mm-hmm. because it was a girl playing the part. And Kelly was just so 
into the role and so confident that my beautiful daughter, my beauty queen back then, she let me cut her hair Mm -hmm. like a boy, dyed it blonde. And she was just the cutest part. She looked identical to like the major theater productions of Oliver. And she nailed it. She was just a natural at it and was great at improvising and besides singing so amazing. So we were really, really proud because that was like a really big marked moment when she was only nine years old, how we knew something different and something really special was going on with Kelly because she held her on where high school students didn't even know their line. She knew their line. She knew everybody's part (laughs) and she was great at improvising, but she jumped right in there because I still remember there was this one scene. Now, this is a production. It's not just like a high school theater. I mean, the teacher, the music director, she studied theater in London. And so she brought the script over from London, Mm -hmm. the actual theatrical production of Oliver. And so there was this whole fancy thing with sets and everything. It was just really amazing. And they practiced for about six months to put on these eight eight performances in a row. And there was one where Kelly, as Oliver, was to be put inside a casket. And they were had the adults. It was part of the scene. Not to be more of it. It was part of the scene. It was part part of the the scene. It was part of the scene because the people were trying to, like, basically demean Oliver in this particular scene. And she's only this little nine-year-old little girl, and they're putting her in, uh, in this little old-fashioned wooden box, and they hit her head. Yeah. And, and that accidentally, and accidentally yeah. with this lid. And I'm thinking, I'm backstage. This is live, live. And, and yeah, we were freaking out because I'm thinking, how is she going to do this? Because I mean, any nine-year-old a lot of times would be crying and like, okay, I'm done. I'm crying. I'm gonna do this. And I kept listening. Oh my gosh, is she gonna be? Is she gonna say anything? And then a little while later, she was like saying her parts, and they pulled her out. She was writing character. She never lost a beat. And while her dad and other people were running across the street to get medicines and stuff to make sure she was okay and asking doctors and things to make sure she was okay, didn't have some kind of concussion. She just came right back out on stage. She did her dance and singing. The show and must go on. The show must go on. And she never missed a beat. And I'm telling you, I, I remember that was one of those moments that as a mama, as a parent, we knew, we always thought, of course, you know, every parent thinks their kids are the greatest of all times, but we knew something was just really exceptional about Kelly and there was something big and planned for her. And I knew then that was just a really big moment for us because you never stopped and you could have easily quit and you could have said, I don't want to do this anymore, but you just went right out there and you did it and you shined and you just keep shining. And that makes me really proud. Thank you, mom. My little a little knock on the head with a wood coffin wasn't going to knock me down. It's going to take a lot more to to take down this uh, this pioneer. But I will say, all of these like little tiny building blocks along the way are what built into that confidence. And even a circle back whenever you know I asked you to cut my hair and dye my hair blind mm-hmm. to like really get into the part of playing Oliver. I remember, you know, I started getting like bullied at school. Yeah, I remember that. And getting teased and people would be like, oh, like, look like you look boy. like a boy and, you know, all those things. And I remember telling you about it because that was really my first experience, like being bullied. Mm-hmm. And you were like, you know, Kelly, here's a couple things for you to remember. One, you beat out 
all of those very people who are teasing you for the part. And you're like, that's what jealousy is. You know, people are going to deflect their insecurities onto you. And you're like, also, whenever people say these comments, it's a reflection that you do look like the part, which is exactly why. And you're like, those Bay actors in New York City on Broadway, like, you know, that's what you were comparing me to. You were like, they they really go full-fledged in the part and they get serious and they lose weight and they gain weight and they dye hair. And, you know, you're you're in this role and that means that you're doing a great job. And I remember being like, yeah, okay. And I believed everything you said and I never let it affect my performance. And I, and that, I feel like was a a small tool in my toolkit to use later in life when I deal with jealousy or insecure people. I remember that it's usually like, you know, they're deflecting um, onto you because they, you have something that they wish that they had. I'm 30 years old and I still tap into those conversations that we Mm -hmm. had when I was nine, you know, playing this part. Which is really, really powerful. Well, I could sit here and rehash a lot of these stories just all day long because they're just so fun. (laughs) Um, But I want to make sure that we kind of tap into some tips of how you continued and um, gave us these opportunities and made us into these strong women. And one of the things we were talking about before we started the show was kind of like how you raised us. So one of the things was kind of like alternatives to discipline and then also dealing with strong personalities. So let's get into some of the disciplinary things that you did because you were, I mean, you were definitely disciplinary and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like growing up, you weren't just like rainbows and smiles and go be your own woman, Kelly. Like you definitely, (laughs) I mean, you encouraged us, but you definitely were disciplinary in which I feel like when you become a grown up, you learn to appreciate. You know, I have to actually give credit to a woman back when I was our very first duty station at on Treasure Island in San Francisco. And right before Kelly was born, she was born out there at the Oakland Naval Hospital. And when she was a baby, and then we had, of course, Anna and Laura. Well, there was a lady there that she actually was a chaplain's wife at the Naval Hospital there. And she had five kids. And these kids were just some of the most well-behaved kids. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she must have an iron hand over these people. And just what is she doing? What's her secret? And I remember talking to her. Her name was Linda, and I'll never forget her. Shout out, Linda. (laughs) And I said, Linda, what do you do? What is your secret? And she said, you know, Lisa, I never spent a lot of time having to say no to my kids. I gave them alternatives. And most of the time, if they wanted something right then, they didn't really want it. They thought they wanted it. So we'd say, well, let's talk about it later on and let's see if you still feel that way next week, next month, next year. But also she said because she didn't say no a lot, that when she said no, it was a very stern no. So they knew mama meant business and let's not push mama anymore. (laughs) So that was the big thing. Because like with Kelly, Kelly, like I said, she was a very strong little child. I will. I, mean, I was reading every book. Oh my gosh, I was reading every book because I wanted to be this perfect mom and a demon inside of me <laughs> and help Kelly because she could be very boisterous and it never failed. No. But we could go to the commissary and she'd scream out, "Oh my gosh!" And everybody looking at me like she was that child that was screaming. Everybody look at me like, "Make your kid quit screaming." So what I did was every time I went to the commissary, I would learn Kelly would be in the grocery cart and I would go straight 
to the cookie aisle and they'd have the little boxes. Y'all probably remember that of animal crackers, animal cookies. Mm -hmm. And I could give her a open a box. Of course, I'm paying for it. And if I gave her that, she would be quiet through the commissary. Animal crackers? Animal crackers. So weird because I don't really like them. I know you did back then. I don't know why. But also when you were little, um, standing you in the corner, a cuss did not work. I could put you in timeout in your room and you would just play. <laughs> so that it worked. That wasn't punishment. But you I just play in the corner by myself. <laughs> until you fell asleep. If you got quiet, we were like, where's Kelly? <laughs> she got quiet. And they would go in there and there would be Barbies and stuff all over the floor. You'd be <laughs> laid in the middle. And it like some story where the Barbie's laying on you in clothes. The Barbie's half dressed and you're just crashed with one foot up on the bed and you're asleep. But what I would find, you always had a favorite toy every week. And I don't even know what all the toys were, but it was like, it was probably had a lot to do with, um, cause we didn't have a lot of money back then. And so when your dad was deployed, my entertainment was taking y'all on Friday or Saturday to McDonald's for y'all to play in the little bouncy thing yeah. and the balls and stuff. And I would buy y'all happy meals. I couldn't even afford a meal myself, but I bought y'all happy meals and y'all had that new toy. And the Happy Meals. So that was always pretty much linked to your new favorite toy. And while y'all played in the McDonald's playground thing, I would write your dad while he was deployed on the ship. Aww. And so that was my time that I was writing letters to your daddy yeah. while y'all were playing. So you always had this favorite toy. So if you got upset and was misbehaving, I would take your toy away and put it on top of the refrigerator. And so you would get all upset and I'd say, no, you could stomp your feet. You're not getting this toy until you behave yourself. So when you would calm down and get better, then I would give you your toy back. And so that was your new favorite thing. So it just, you know, like I said, you got to find what works with each child. Interesting story, though, I might add later. Uh -oh. As So we're getting ready to move. We were doing a Diddy move, a do-it-yourself move. To uh, from Virginia Bay back to Louisiana when we thought that we might be getting out of the Navy. So I guess you were so used to me putting stuff on top of the refrigerator. I'm in the back bedroom boxing up stuff. And I had all kinds of cleaning products in a box on top of the refrigerator. And I'm in the back bedroom and I hear this blood curdling scream. Now Kelly's three. And all of a sudden she had pushed a chair climbed on the kitchen counter and then she resourceful <laughs> and then got into that box and got into those cleaning products. How did you Why do did that? Why did I want cleaning products? I, I think you must've thought maybe you had a toy up there. Probably. And so you were probably looking for a toy, but lesson learned after that, I didn't put toys anymore on can't the refrigerator. Tell me no. no, you can't tell you no. You yeah, still can't figure tell out you a no. way. If there's a way, there's a will. <laughs> Moral of a story. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about disciplining children, but I do love that. You and daddy came up with like creative ways to, <laughs> well, one, when you, I will say when you said no, you truly meant it. Yeah. And there was a lot of power in that. Like, you know, I, again, I'm not a mom. I don't know. But when you would tell me, like, I'd be like, oh, I want to go over to a friend's house or I'd be like, well, did you do your homework? And I'd be like, oh, well, I'm almost done. And you'd be like, well, no, you have to do your homework first. And you learn, I learned a lot of those, like, responsibilities and boundaries really early on. Yeah. I think, um, well, I think the big thing is I don't think there's so much as bad kids. I think it's bad parenting and parents not teaching their kids. You know, we, 
we couldn't afford the babysitter. So we took y'all with us if we were blessed to go out to dinner and we taught y'all to sit right there. It was like having a tea party, you know, when y'all were little and you put your little napkin in your lap. You knew to how to put your hands together and make pretty hands is what we called it to say your pretty prayers, hands. pretty hands and said your prayers. And y'all were always well behaved. Remember those umbrella strollers? I could put you in the middle of the umbrella stroller and Laura and you to hold on to one side and Anna held on to the other side. And we could take y'all everywhere. And people were constantly coming up to us and saying, you have the most well-behaved kids ever. And I was just, but what they didn't know was I was just telling like Laura and Anna as far as you were strapped down, of course, but ha ha. But uh, Laura and Anna, I would say, hang on. And strap me down. I would always tell them, I said, now hang on tight to the umbrella because I love y'all so much. But I also know because you're so beautiful and special, somebody else might want to take you away from me. And I don't want that to happen. So hang on to this. So you know, if you're hanging on to this, I'm also hanging on to it so nobody can get me and nobody will get you. And they were like, oh. instilling fear. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they were like, okay, mama, okay. And they would always just walk along and look up at me and smile. I'm like, hey, we're just all together. Aww. And it was just so, I mean, you teach your kids, but I put a positive spin on it. You know, it sounds like a, fear but I'm saying I always put a positive spin saying how special they were and how pretty and I don't want you to get lost or separated from me because that would break my heart so I put a positive spin on it and they were like okay okay mama you know and we listen I feel like you just instilled so much confidence in us I didn't know anything different like I look back on those ugly horrific awkward years of mine where I was braced faced and you know 82 pounds but you were like you're so beautiful and you have so much to offer the world and you're so smart and you're gonna do big things and I just ate that up like a piece of cake and I was like (laughs) "Uh uh-huh yeah great woohoo and I just I really believed it and I feel like I can't imagine like what kids have to face these days now with like social media and like outside opinions but yours my parents are really the only opinions that matter to me. And so I just listened. Well, I just like kind know. of like blindly followed. And I was like, yeah, I'm special. I believe you. And I just did it. And, you know, and then like I said, whenever things maybe didn't go my way or maybe didn't go as planned, there was always like a lesson to be learned through you that know, journey. I think that a big part of that too went to faith-based and us raising you girls to love God and to respect God and taking y'all to church and Sunday school. And there's a passage in the Bible that talks about you being wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. And so God doesn't make junk. Mm -hmm. And so we let you know that you're beautiful in God's eyes and you're even prettier to us too. So we always instill that in you to teach you and let you know that you're beautiful to us. There's no such thing as ugly on the outside if you're beautiful on the inside because we always wanted you to have that beautiful heart. And if you're, you know, loving on the inside, that's just reflected to from anyone on the outside. You can have someone that can go through lots of situations in their life, sadly, that can change who they are on the outside. But if the heart is still real on the inside, that just comes through. Mm -hmm. Because just like when we were in Italy, they tell you your eyes are the mirrors to your soul. And you could always see that special spark in your eyes. And so that's what's beautiful. And that's what everybody sees in you. 
it's what always was so encouraging. And, you know, I think that when I was little, part of the reason why I am now so multi-passionate and, you know, everybody knows I'm, you know, in the Navy and I have podcasts, um, do social media, do all of these things. A big part of that was when I was younger, we mentioned earlier, when I was in third grade, I started writing these books. Mm -hmm. And by books, I mean, I would write these like stories on lined paper and I would draw out and I would, I was so into it. I was so into writing and I would give them to you and you would be like, this is so beautiful. You, you could be a writer someday. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, wow, really? I remember when I did Oliver in the fourth grade, people would come up to me like, do you want to be an actress, Kelly? Or do you want to be a Broadway star? Like, is that what you want to do? Like you could, you're the star of the play. And I remember talking to you about that. I'm like, I don't know. Like, do I want to be an actress? And you were the first person that planted the seed. You were like, you know, if you love being in front of the camera, think about what's going to make a really big difference. You should really think about reporting and like broadcasting. And I was like, what? And then I like planted the seed into my future, into wanting to be into becoming a morning show host, really just because I loved the platform and the ability to spread a positive message. And I found that so much more appealing than even just acting. But every time I did something, you would be like, you could do X someday. Mm -hmm. You could do Y someday. Like, why can't you do that? And I would be like, yeah, okay. And I recorded like little radio shows in my room or whatever I did. And you were like, you could totally do that someday. And you always like empowered me. And I love that you tapped into like whatever passions I was exploring as a kid, you turned that into something like a real life future or career or possibility for me. Yeah. And it gave me value. Like I wasn't just a kid playing around being creative. I was like, oh, like I might have talent in this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so even now as an adult, you know, I know I have a talent for conversations and speaking and public (laughs) speaking and all of that. And I was like, what can I turn this into? And that became a podcast, you know? So it really is so powerful to plant those seeds with your children and and fuel them with real life possibilities because Mm -hmm. those might grow and bloom someday. Yeah. I think it's really important to be able to put yourself out there and literally spread that joy and that happiness with other people because there's enough sadness that goes on. And a lot of people that maybe grew up in a very dysfunctional family where they didn't have that support, maybe support system. So if you can put yourself out in a position where you're willing to be open and vulnerable and say, hey, you can do it too. If I can do it, you can do it too. Because we remember our favorite movie of all times, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Oh my gosh. We love that movie. We love that. And all the smiles. I mean, how many smiles do you have? If y'all haven't watched that, you haven't watched it. Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Win a Date with Tad Hamilton. Our favorite. Our favorite all-time movie. But I love the line when she was telling, uh, was it Petey at the bar or something? And she was telling, she's like, you know, you never know unless you put your application in, is what she was saying. You know, if you're going to be able to get the job or, or do whatever, you still have to put the application in. So because we love that movie so much, I would constantly tell the girls as they were growing up, you don't know unless you put yourself out there and try. Give it a try because you don't know. You you might fall on your butt, but, you know, and crash and burn, but you might be really successful and it might really be good. 
and you're never too old to learn new things because Kelly left us. We was telling her about going on our cruise and here I am almost 60 years old and I just learned to snorkel and I found out I love it. So just like you get out there and you go do these fun things. But when it comes to people and others, I think the important thing is to keep spreading that love and joy out there and keep finding your niche because God has a plan for you and he can help you truly make a difference in the world. And that's all we ever wanted for all three of our daughters. We wanted them to go shine their light and have that within them in their hearts to want to make a difference. And I think all three of them did. And that's why they're successful. And that's makes me happy. Thank you, Mama. So I do have like five tips I want to get into that you've taught me. But before I get into those, just in general, I think it's for those daughters out there listening or those moms <laughs> out there with future daughters, you know, um, there was so much power and things y'all said that we couldn't appreciate at the time. And so just when you think that you know everything or you don't want to listen to your parents, I say do the risky thing and listen to your parents. <laughs> um, because I remember my older – I was the youngest. I'm in the youngest. So my older sisters maybe didn't always want to listen to things that y'all had to say. And something that I realized, I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, I can – figure it out later where, you know, whatever, like what the heck, let's just see how this goes. And one of those things really was like applying to the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. You know, my oldest sister didn't want to, she didn't want to apply to the Naval Academy. My middle sister didn't want to, she didn't want to apply to the Naval Academy. She ended up applying. She ended up getting accepted. She ended up going. It's where she met her now husband and has three beautiful children. And for me at the time, my goal whenever I was in high school was to get a track scholarship and I wanted to go to NYU and I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to live in New York city. This is my big, big master plan. And then all of a sudden like sophomore year of high school, I found out that New York university is a division three school and they don't give athletic scholarships. And I was like, okay, that kind of derailed my plan a little bit. And so then I was like, okay, well maybe I'll still get a track scholarship, but I wasn't into military service. I just wasn't interested in it. And a large part of it was because I was so into fashion and I was so girly. I loved writing. I loved media. I I had all these hobbies. And I just saw the military as like a place where that would never be welcomed. You know, and I didn't see, I grew up, you know, watching my dad put on his uniform every day. I didn't, I wasn't around like women who were in the military. So when I was a junior, you two very much still nudged, pushed me to apply. And I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, oh, but I was like, you know, it doesn't hurt to just apply. Like, like you said, put your application in, like whatever, shoot your shot. And then by the time I applied and I got accepted my senior year, my mindset had completely changed. Yeah. And I always reflect back, like if I had stomped my feet and just said, no, like you're silly parents, I'm not doing that. I would have missed that opportunity mm-hmm. to apply and have been accepted. So, because especially for the Naval Academy, for example, just like boot camp or anything else, like it's a long process. Yeah. Like most things, college applications, like it takes a while. So like just start by putting in an application and opening mm-hmm. that door, but you're automatically closing it if you don't even try. try. Yeah, to try. And 
so thankful that y'all had a a bigger picture and vision for me Mm -hmm. because that's something that you, I always loved that you did. You were very realistic parents, very, very realistic parents. And I know that comes from like you two having struggled so much and y'all didn't want me to struggle. You know, if I had in my way, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a photographer. I was like, oh, I'm going to go photograph for Nat Geo someday. And I'm going to go to New York University. I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be a columnist like Kate Hudson on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Like these were my big visions. And you were kind of like, okay, Kelly, that's great. I love that for you. That's great. However, how are you going to pay for school? Let's look up the starting salary of photographers. Let's look up the starting salary for journalists. Like you were like very practical. And I was like, oh, well, lots of people do it. Like obviously. And you were like, no, and that's true. I just want you to be aware of what, you know, that looks like. And so part of how my path was forged was, you know, we put in this application for the Naval Academy. And then you started, both started planting seeds about, well, hey, in the Navy, you could go do public affairs or you could write columns or you could still explore media or you could take pictures. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, but I love that y'all presented, like you said, from that time when I was a kid and I wanted a toy and you would present alternate options. You did the same thing with my life and my career when I was a teenager. You wouldn't shoot ever shoot down my dreams, but you provided alternate options of, well, what if you did this? And what did you did that? And like, I think this is going to get you really far. It was like tough love. It really was tough love. But that also goes back to just like what I said earlier, when you were little, I didn't have to say no. I just gave you alternatives. I was like, let's just have the alternatives. If this doesn't work, let's have plan, not just A, but B, C, maybe D and E. And we also knew at the Naval Academy that you could go to to the Naval Academy for the first two years without signing any paperwork, commitment paperwork where you were locked in. So if you still didn't want to do it, you could still leave there without any other further obligated service to the military. And I don't know if a lot of people even realize that. So we wanted you because we knew you were smart. We knew you were physically capable of doing all the things. And we wanted you, most importantly, obviously, to get your education. But we wanted you to have that desire for a higher purpose, a higher calling in serving your the country and your military, but serving others. We wanted you to have that. And we wanted you to have a chance to face some challenges in your life when you might have felt like, I can't do this. But that's when that tough love comes in as parents, when you have to back away, even if your kids fail. That's the hardest part because we want to fix things as parents because we love our kids so much. And my grandmother, my nanny always told me, you know, Lisa, when they're little, you raise your kids on your feet. And when they get older, you raise your kids on your knees in prayer. And that's what I did. I was praying so much for you through that time when there were phone calls, when you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And it was killing me because I wanted to just like go get you and bring you right home. But you went through that and look what it developed you into the woman you are today that we're so proud of. 
I appreciate that <laughs> very much. It's true. Thank you. So before we get ready to wrap up, and I am going to do some rapid fire Q&A at the uh, end. All right. We love a good rapid fire. Um, but um, kind of final tips that I reflected on, actually just recently posted about them, but five things that you taught me mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'll tap into those for a second. So number one, I'll I'll list them first. So number one was don't let anyone walk all over you. Number two is always put lipstick on (laughs) or don't leave the house without lipstick. (laughs) And number three, you always told me to pray for one, like just pray for, you know, the things that you have, but the things that you don't even, you know, may not even exist yet, but pray for others and those who need it most. Mm -hmm. And then... Four, support yourself first and even love yourself first. Yeah. And then five is that you never really fail. You just gained another opportunity to learn. Exactly. That was a big one. Mm-hmm. So I'd say number one, the don't let anyone walk all over you. This wasn't really like a sassy tip or like, you know, you're not from Jersey. Like, you know, it's not like, <laughs> don't, go don't let anyone life. walk all over you, <laughs> Kelly, or else. Like, you know, yeah. I think it's in general, like instilling that confidence and yeah. You were like, hey, like you don't let people push you around or don't let them treat you that way. And then you'd always say like your friends are a reflection of you. And remember how the saying, you pick your friends, don't let your friends choose you. You yeah. choose your friends. That's so. a big thing that you always say. I said that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I took that to heart too, because I wanted a friend circle that really uplifted me. Um, so even now, like I think people are always surprised whenever I don't let people walk all over me. Hmm. And they don't always take it, take it well, but you know, whatever. It's just just because I'm five two and hundred pounds, Too I'm not little, gonna let you a little pack of walk all over me. <laughs> I'm gonna stand up for myself. Don't mess with me. Um, and then I love this the like always always have lipstick, always put lipstick on. Kind of stemmed from my aunt Dixie. It was yes. kind of like an honorary grandmother of mine. Yes, but it, well, you kind of can tell that. Well, Aunt Dixie, being in the military, you automatically adopt different people to become in your life as family members, and you know there is true your family in heart. And Aunt Dixie, Dixie was just this little prissy Southern woman. Uh, God bless her soul. Such a wonderful lady. And she had such a wonderful relationship with her husband and married for 60 plus years before she passed away. And she always would tell me, Lisa, always make sure before your husband comes home, you put on some lipstick. And I'm like, lipstick? Why am I going to put on some lipstick? And she was like, no, you want to be the like the uh, with a smile, even if you've had a really bad day, because he went out there to make a living and support you and your family. And you want to be the first impression that he sees when he walks in that door. And you want him to feel lifted up and happy when he walks through that door. So I kind of taught my girls to just kind of expand it on a little bit with throwing on the lipstick because it's just something about throwing on. I mean, obviously, when they were younger, it could be lip gloss, but throwing on something where it makes you feel a little bit. You can have on workout clothes, you know, or whatever, but just throwing on that little bit. It's amazing how you feel empowered as a woman, as a young lady and a little girl. And they put on that lipstick, put it on a little girl, your daughter, a little girl, and you'll see just how quick they smile and they love it. And they feel so special, like they're just a princess. And that's what I taught you girls that when you grew up as women to put on that lipstick and go out and feel empowered and feel confident. Yeah. People think it's just makeup, and then I'm like, it does things to your bones. It <laughs> yeah. makes me feel confident, and I, I truly never leave the house without it. I always have, like, three in my bag, and if I'm briefing, I'll go right before I brief, literally, 
admiral spy will go and touch up my lipstick in the mirror and make sure that I feel confident and ready to go. So I love that you always kind of talk about that. Well, besides as a wife too, your husband wants to kiss you when you come home and you get pretty lips. Well, Austin (laughs) shockingly hates lipstick, hates it, but he's getting over it. He need to get the chocolate. The lipstick's for me, ironically. He hates lipstick, but he likes the way I look, I will say. And then I love, you know, we have already touched on this, but just praying in general for others. Y'all always prayed with us as little girls. Every night as a family, we'd kneel by the bed and make our pretty hands. Uh, So I love that you not only taught me how to pray for what's going on in my life, but in the lives of others. And always, you know. Well, it started when um, I was pregnant with you. Because um, I know that Kelly has probably told you the story from another podcast about how when I was pregnant with Kelly... We were out praying as a couple for her, and it's amazing. I have this sonogram picture, and it looks like in the picture you can see um, Biff and I praying together with our heads bowed in the sonogram. It's like one of my favorite pictures. I've never seen this picture. And it's like, I'll have to show it to you. And it's one of my favorite pictures because we prayed over you, and we would— touch my belly and when you were in my belly and we were praying not for you just to be a healthy baby and wanted God to impact your life but we were also praying for your future spouse that one day for the guy that would come along and you would meet because like we've always told you we wanted you to be feel strong and powerful growing up but we wanted that to be the extra in your life the right God that God would lead into your life and God answered our prayers because exactly the day from Kelly when she was born, nine months later, was when Austin was born. To the day. To the day. May 17. So God answers prayers. You, that is so true. Last couple of things before we get into the Q&A is support yourself first. And I love that you always instilled this in the three of us. You know, you were like, I don't ever want you to feel like you're dependent on someone you know, you're like, have your own life, have your career, have make your own money, have your own lane, do your own things before you ever meet someone, but, you know, fall in love mm-hmm. and get married. Um, and I think that that has been so powerful because Austin and I both did that. And it's really brought a lot of fruit into our marriage. And I was a fully established person with confidence and with passions before we ever got married. And I love that. I love that you taught us that. Well, I think that we're, you know, we're obviously, even as a, as we grow into adults, we're all independent people. We all have our own independent personalities and you all want to feel independent, have that independence. So our biggest thing was we wanted you to have that that worked in your life that you could still support yourself, take care of yourself, because only the good Lord knows about our future. And unforeseen circumstances can happen in your life. So we wanted you to be able to be strong enough to pick up the pieces no matter what in your life. So like I referred to earlier, even like with having Austin in your life, he was like the frosting on the top of the cake and the little sprinkles and the goodies. And I am the whole cake. Kelly's the cake. I am the entire cake, but Austin (laughs) is the icing. And we love that for him. My sweet husband currently making some pasta in the kitchen like the Italian that he is. Sweet. Yep, that's true. He's sweet. And then finally, um, we could talk about this one all day long, but in general, I failed a lot. You know, whether it was tests or <laughs> grades or falling in track or failing academy exam, whatever it was, failed a lot, got in trouble, 
But in general, like in life, even now, you know, those failures truly were opportunities to learn. And again, that started when I was a kid. You didn't always get, you know, you might have gotten upset with us initially or whatever it was, but most of the time you spin it into a positive thing. You know, the biggest thing was there's a difference between people that are lazy and that don't help themselves. And when we saw that you were helping yourself in trying, then you can't fault your child because they're trying because they just might need help. I know. Look how many times that you took the SAT just trying to get into college and the academy <laughs> to the Naval Academy. And Kelly kept trying and her scores weren't going up. So we, okay, we're going to pay for some classes and get her some tutoring and get her some help. And when she was in school, if she say, didn't make an A or didn't make a B or made a C, D or F. We were like, okay, it wasn't going to do any good to fuss at her and get mad at her, especially if she was trying. We would say, okay, how can we make this better? You've, you're missing something because we knew that was the foundation of learning. If you don't learn something, say second or third, how are you going to do it fifth and sixth? How are you going to do it junior high, you know, middle school and high school? We wanted you to have that foundation. So we would say, okay, especially if it was a subject that my husband and I were not good at, well, we'll find you a tutor. We'll get somebody to help you so you can learn so you're ready for what comes next in the next stages of your life. You know, if you're not good at a sport, <laughs> Kelly in middle school tried field hockey. Oh, my gosh. She was running all over that field like like a chicken with her head cut off. She was just, it was so funny. I, I was trying not to laugh because I was just trying to cheer Yay! and support her. But it was so funny. But you know what? She was so good at running and she loved running. And so then when she went on in middle school too, running and on the track, she was eighth grade, all counties, all star out of number one and running because that was the sport she was supposed to be, obviously not field hockey. So you just have to, you know, when your kids are doing different sports, you know, and they get all upset if they're not winning number one player or doing, you know, maybe they don't have the height to play basketball. They, you just, it might be some other sport they're supposed to be because like we said, God made you a the way you are for a reason, for his purpose alone. And you just have to find what it is that you're good at and you tap into that and you just move forward to excel. And we knew you would find it and you're still finding it. You're still learning. You're still learning because we're all learning. You know, it's a learning curve for all of us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you you're for welcome. Thank you. all of the tips and the guidance and life. And here we are. Thanks for raising me uh, to be the woman I am now. I think it's it's been my blessing to be able to raise you. And I thank God for trusting me with my own little angel to raise. And I feel very blessed to have you as a daughter. I'm very grateful for you, sweetie. I love you. I love you more. Very, very much. And as a side note, what do we always say to each other? Two, four, one. Two, four, one. And is why? What does two, four, one mean? You love me too Too much much for anyone else to imagine. Yes. I love you so much. Two, four, one. Love you. Okay, we're going to get into some rapid fire questions on the podcast. Woo-hoo! Rapid fire. Let's go. Drink that mimosa. Oh, wow. I know. I'm oh, you're down. almost done with this. Salute. <laughs> okay. All right. Rapid fire questions for 
mama, what are some like books you highly recommend moms or wives or parents read or audiobooks or podcasts or anything like that? Rapid fire books. I read a lot of books by James Dobson. He's a Christian author. And it was all on gifted and talented children. There was a book he wrote about strong-willed children. (laughs) So I practically had that one down. And there was also another Christian book. I can't remember who it was by at the time. But he also talked about the relationship with fathers and their daughters and how. So that was really good. So your daddy could have that in Raising Daughters. What is like your favorite thing that you did with me when I was a little girl? So when Kelly was really little and she was strong-spirited, I was actually— I love how you said strong-spirited. Like, so positive. (laughs) I was actually told, which sounds crazy, by the doctor, pediatrician, to give you coffee. You would think not to give your child caffeine. And so we had our little—so I would have coffee milk. And This is where my addiction was born. Yeah, this is where her addiction to coffee came and we would have our little coffee time in the mornings, and you loved it, and you, you still have your little coffee cup. I just saw it earlier. It was yeah, so, yeah, it's in my bathroom. I know. Yeah. It was so, so we fun. did little coffee coffee mornings. They were so sweet. I know. Okay. If you could pick any song that makes you think of me, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> my mind goes blanket supper. The first song that pops into my mind is actually... Pretty woman. What? Walking down the street. Why? That's pretty not. There's woman. so many songs that we have. I know that that walks that because, well, first off, last night I was looking at, and Daddy and I were getting emotional looking at you and how beautiful you are. And we were like, oh, I'm going to get emotional now. I was so like, sweet. just the beautiful woman that you've grown into and all through the years. But, and that's why Pretty Woman immediately pops in my head. But I think about how she came from in the movie. To nothing until, like, obviously. Are you comparing like, me to a hooker? No. <laughs> <laughs> she became confident, is my point. She discovered herself and believed in herself, and that's how she became. I think Pretty Woman is not about putting on the clothes on the outside. The movie has one meaning in the beginning, but if you look towards the end, she had confidence because she was willing to walk away. No money, nothing in her else. Stop pointing at me. (laughs) No money could change who she was because she finally believed in herself and said, I'm not going to put up whatever. This is who I am. You got to love me for me. And that's what I see in you. And so that's the first song that pops in my head is Pretty Woman. Okay, that was a pretty good Reason. reason, yeah. I definitely thought you are going to go with like Treasure, Bruno Mars, or something like that. Because no, that's also another song. That's our favorite song. I know. Oh that's God, our favorite song that. of all time. Um, okay, rapid fire, rapid fire. What uh, is the Bible verse that comes to mind when you think of me or raising children or just like in general life? Well, our favorite Bible verse of all times is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone as parents. I couldn't do it alone as a mom. And you can't do it out there alone in the world. You have to be able to rely on Christ to be able to give you the strength to do anything in your life. And when, like I said, things don't make any sense, just trust him because he has a plan. And that's what we've told Kelly and even to Austin. Just keep trusting him. Even when you don't understand, just keep trusting him because God's going to work everything out to his plan and to perfection. And on that perfect note, <laughs> thank you so much 
I think that we dove into lots of misunderstandings here. No, I think a lot of people are going to love this episode. Super popular episode. A little peek behind the curtain of how I was raised. Like the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, how they pull back the curtain and you saw this little short man. You saw the real thing. Remember the Wizard of Oz? Are you the short man in this? Are you the wizard? I was the wizard. Wasn't the wizard a fake? Yeah. Kind of? Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so maybe, yeah, maybe that metaphor is not perfect. But hey, we're (laughs) sparkly, rude, heavy slippers, (laughs) and we're following our own yellow brick road. Yeah, we're following the yellow yellow brick road. It came out. It worked out in the end. So there you go. It all worked out. Well, I love you. Thank you for being here. I love you Cheers to strong women. May we know them. May we raise them. And to strong sons, too. Yeah. Strong sons that marry those strong women. Bless you, Austin. Oh, God bless you. Here's to you (laughs) and daddy. (laughs) And to the husband, too. Yeah. Here's to you. We love you. I love you. Love you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys. And I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram, and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you love, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. I want to give a special shout out to my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. If you are looking to launch a podcast or if you already have one, you can get unlimited podcast editing by visiting usehatch.fm. That's usehatch.fm. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is your misunderstood Kelly Hall. The views and opinions presented here in this episode are those of myself and do not necessarily represent the views of the DOD or its components. Appearance of or reference to any commercial products or services does not constitute DOD endorsement and those products or services. The appearance of external hyperlinks does not constitute DND endorsement of the linked websites or of the information, products, or services therein.